Welcome to another Out of This World episode of the Yenosha. We are two geeks who talk about everything. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined by my cousin and co-host, Landon. Hey, good day, Yenoshoians. You know, showites. You know, show. You know, show. Yeah, yeah, okay. Ites. Yeah, we can do that. You, you know, show business? I don't know. I see uh, showings. Show, showings? Yeah, Ooh. I think the showings. Sho- Shovians. Shovians. You know, chauvinists. Show- <laughs> you know, chauvinists. <laughs> <laughs> insulting your fans okay yeah a little bit whatever (laughs) how you doing this week you doing all right good good i enjoyed watching what we're going to talk about again yeah uh today we're 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 boldly going where no podcast has gone before unless of course it's a podcast that focuses on star trek because then we're just covering territory they've already covered uh, we're discussing the 1979 sci-fi film Star Trek The Motion Picture. This was actually the first Star Trek feature film coming out 10 years after the iconic original series was canceled. Landon, what are some of your initial overall thoughts about this movie? All right, I'm just going to be straight. I have always and forever hated this movie. I consider it to be boring. Boring! I'm there Boo. with you. Yeah. Boo. Absolutely. However, I watched it this time, and I actually found it to be peaceful, like in a weird way, because the, the beginning of this movie, and we'll we'll talk more about what goes on throughout it, but from the get go, it's really just the longest orchestra, you know, space scene, where you don't really see it; you just see space. And it's just beautiful orchestra forever. And actually, I, I kind of needed that. I've been working my, my my tail off. I've been working my job. And I, and I actually needed like this to kind of go, oh, peaceful. It's almost like one of those uh, meditative YouTube videos, right? Where it's That's just right. like scenery and orchestra over the background and i will say this movie does have a fantastic uh score to it oh my god um at which later became the theme song for the next generation right yes and i'm appreciating that this movie um pretty much takes takes us from a retirement situation because that's really what the star trek movies are really all about it's retired you know William Shatner's crew, pretty much old school in it, you know, and uh, going against all odds uh, for a show that lasted three years, but somehow achieved epic status. Um, So, you know, I walked into it going, you know, I'm going to start this off because I'm going to watch all of them again. And I enjoyed this movie. What about you? Good. Good. Uh, I still think it's kind of boring, uh, personally, because <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not coming at it from your perspective where you're stressed out right now and and kind of need that that something to take the edge off. Uh, personally, I get bored with the 800 exterior shots of the Enterprise. <laughs> um, I mean, I get it. You you've got a you've got a new model and uh, and you want to show it off, but come on, Roddenberry, let's <laughs> let's back it up a little bit. Homage. Um, do what? <laughs> it's just a big, 
big movie shot, just an homage of the show. You know what I mean? It's just like right. the ship and and the reactions of the crew. They're all just like looking. And if you're not, if you're listening, you can't see my face, but it's just like this long stare. You know the stare that people have right before they're about to go to commercial on like a soap opera, and they just look. There's like the fart acting. Yeah, it's it's like three to five seconds of just looking. You get yeah. you get a big shot of the Enterprise or space or something, and then you go to them looking like that. But you yeah. don't go to commercial. No, you go back to seeing the ship again. You know, <laughs> like come on. Like, they're looking at it like they've never seen a starship before in all of its uh, glory you you spent your entire careers on a starship this is not the first time you've seen the enterprise i wish i got a shiny new paint job great but come on could you, you imagine could you imagine going out to your car you know every day and good and just having this moment where you're like <laughs> right right oh, you gonna stand 10 feet away from my yeah. car tomorrow morning just like hmm Man, that is one fine piece of machinery. Sure, the bumper's hanging off a little bit, but whatever. We'll get a refit. It's 2014 yeah. White Dodge Journey. Mm. That mm. 2009 Corolla is fantastic. <laughs> oh, uh, well, to the movie. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny. You consider there's a lot of drama behind the scenes while they were getting this movie made. Originally, they had planned to bring Star Trek back as a new TV series in the late right. 70s uh, called Phase 2. Uh, they even had new characters, new sets, scripts, all ready to go. But then this little movie, this little independent film came out of nowhere called Star Wars in 1977. And that changed everything. So suddenly Paramount's thinking, oh, man. There's a huge market for sci-fi films. So they rushed in to turn in their, their Star Trek, that new show, into a major motion picture instead. Um, so even then, though, production was delayed for several months. They kept going through multiple scripts. They went through se several different directors. Uh, and at one point, the budget started ballooning so out of control, they nearly pulled the plug. Now, Landon, wow. can you imagine? We were this close to having a world where there was no Star Trek on the big screen. What what would that have looked like if that uh, hadn't gotten the green light? Yeah, yeah that that uh, that would change things. I, well, I think we that, wouldn't we wouldn't have any Star Trek. I wouldn't think. I don't think so. This was a springboard for the entire franchise. While the three seasons, you know, um, were notable and memorable, it's not like Lost in Space. Although it did get a Netflix show. It's not like that turned into a humongous thing, like sure. or even Battlestar Battlestar Galactica, you know, is uh, you know became a very popular cult classic show, but not to the degree that Star Trek did. What happened with this movie really was the springboard for everything that's ever happened with Star Trek from then on. So yeah, I would think if if it hadn't been for you know, this was a moderate success. Sure, it wasn't like Star Wars successful, but right. it was successful enough to encourage them. Okay, we'll do a sequel and see where that goes. If if it hadn't been for this, there wouldn't have been a series of Star Trek films, oh. and and I'm sure it, they wouldn't have looked at this the success of the films and been like, hey, let's let's do a spinoff of Star Trek set a hundred years later, yeah, and see what happens. And well, then, and I, and then I from there, you also, get Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, right. and everything we've got today is just so well, and, amazing. 
when I look at these movies for Star Trek with, um, you know, the Shatner movies, I, I think they propelled us towards the next generation to be able to happen. But I don't believe that th that these movies actually were responsible for what continued. It's like I think that, yes, they're foundational, but they like led the way towards TNG and TNG is what took it to become more. Yeah beyond yeah, that absolutely um, absolutely it was next level because they yeah they were really able to build off the next generation and that time frame um which was just chock full of of different stories you could tell in different parts right. of the galaxy um so the question remains when star trek the motion picture finally arrived in theaters it was 1979 and you know We've already mentioned you get that iconic shot multiple times of the refit enterprise. Uh, you know, we gotta ask what if what do fans think? Um, and looking back, some of the some of the research I was doing reading about it, the reactions were mixed. Um, really? you know, there was a lot of hype. Uh, some folks felt a little let down that it was a little too cerebral, a little too philosophical. It didn't it have that was. action that Star Trek was yeah. uh, famous for in, in the past. It certainly didn't have the action that Star Wars had a couple years earlier. Right. Um, the pacing is very slow by today's standards. Right. But still, it's it's exciting to see. You know, Again, this is 10 years after the original series, so... Now we're getting to see Kirk, Spock, the entire crew back in their iconic roles. And the visual effects have jumped, you know, quantum leaps ahead of what they right. were in the 60s. Right. I mean, of course, nothing like it is today. But, you know, you think com you compare the late 60s to 1979 technology. And this is amazing, especially that first reveal of V'ger. Right, this, we're we're breaking new ground here. What what do you think about the the visual effects that we got well, to see? Let me ask you: uh, When did two thousand one A Space Odyssey come out? That was that preceded. That was in the sixties, so it preceded it by quite a bit. Yeah, think, at least ten years. I think to myself, like the the idea of it being cerebral or it not being very action packed and being really about discovery and being about understanding and new life and and you know exploring unknown things i think follows that that path i think when we get to star trek 2 and wrath of khan you get that action back but i could see how somebody walking into this one you're like huh unless you were just completely into like I, I could see like a uh, an enthusiast of Star Trek being like, yes, because of the visual effects. But I could also see how somebody wants to see like Spock, like do his superhuman fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but to me, there's like, there, there's aspects of this, the reveal at the end. I just wonder if people that were in there going, oh, Beecher, Voyager, oh, you know? And they and they had this aha moment. It certainly wasn't an Empire that Strikes Back, Darth Vader is my father moment, but it certainly was still kind of a cool moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was it was really neat to to think. Well, of course, you know the the Voyager number that they use doesn't exist in real life. They don't, there was only in reality right. only a right. Voyager one and two. Uh, right. But uh, still, you know, it's it's funny to think what might happen to those two 
satellites that are, you know, both they've both left the the solar system at this point. So it's like, well, what's going to happen to them? You know, how how yeah, far do yeah. they go? And what's going to happen, you know, in 300 years, if mankind is assuming still around and exploring space, you know, what are we going to know about how far they went? And, you know, is there some alien technology out there that's going to pick them up and turn it into some artificial intelligence that comes back I home? I don't think that I really paid attention initially when I watched this movie to the fact that the Voyager's spaceship went to a machine world that that kind of made it into its own ai and then it left i I didn't really pick up on that i thought i think growing up as a and and, you know i wasn't really in depth on the thought process on it but i was growing up i was just like yeah that went out and you know connected with an alien then came back and it was just very simple but um but i remember watching this time when spock is just like you know i saw so much that has this it's incredible the technology and all of the things that you're seeing of all the different worlds it's kind of like oh my gosh this this is like the biggest thing they've ever encountered like ever you know right. so i thought it was really i thought it was cool not that i wasn't still excited to get because it's a long movie um yeah. to get to wrath of khan but yes i uh i remember watching it several years ago and probably the first time watching it as an adult with with more of an understanding of Star Trek lore and, and, and everything. And I couldn't help but wonder, can you connect V'ger to the board? Oh, I don't think they do. I don't think it's Canon that, that V'ger and the board are connected in any way. That would I be cool though. What, uh, what recent, what most recently happened was, um, it might've been the first season of Picard, uh, where they were dealing so much with androids and synthetic life. Yeah. Uh, that they made the suggestion that um, there was synthetic life hundreds of thousands of years ago in the universe. And that whatever that society is outside of our galaxy, they're the ones who took control of Voyager and and managed to insert their AI into it and and create what became V'ger. Um, I think that's that's where they've gone with the canon of it. But I remember, you know, this this speculation was happening before Picard came out, and so there was no explanation of you know is V'ger like a part of the Borg collective? Is that like like a precursor to the Borg? Right. It, well, if it was, it would come before the hive mind mentality. You know yeah. what I mean? Because of it being on its own uh, autonomous. Um, I thought it was interesting watching it this time because I'm like, oh, like Alia straight up died. She's dead. You know what I mean? I didn't really get that before. I thought maybe she was just taken over. And when, you know, V'ger's like, you know, that unit no longer functions or something like that. I, I just thought maybe dormant and they're trying to reawaken her, her to, to remember herself. But straight up, she's dead. She is yeah. dead. Oh, yeah. And, and they just copied, V'ger has just copied her emotions and memories and is awaiting that to the very end where, you know, and he's okay with it. He's like, you know what? you're a cop then again i'm watching picard you know and picard is you know not picard picard's dead you know he's a synthetic too yeah i'm making i'm making it okay you know so (laughs) i guess i guess you have to you have to be okay with it if you want to keep the actor you know (laughs) um all right so i want to say i really admire the motion picture so it's it's got this ambition and philosophical nature 
that's it stays true to Gene Roddenberry's vision of you know what he sees or what he hoped the future would would turn out to be um so you know at its core it's wrestling with these big sci-fi questions what does it mean to be human in a universe with artificial intelligence uh what is our place among the stars how can flawed humans and alien beings learn to understand each other across cultures and languages to find a common purpose uh so these are quintessential star trek themes that you know last not through not just from the original series through the movies into subsequent series but i want i want your take what do you think of the more uh philosophical storyline here compared to what we're going to get in in future movies and future series to me it matters purely and simply for the 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 crew coming back together for us like getting the crew because if you think about the show like the show the crew was was tight you know, because they were there and doing it together, but it wasn't like relationship tight with everybody the same. 60 shows were, you know, you had a person in a role, they came in and they acted that way, but you didn't have like, like deep ties. Like you have Bones and, and Jim, like having this understanding with each other that, that, that kind of grows more and more. And even Scotty, I mean, and, and probably more than anything, watching Spock in this, how he was at the beginning, because I wasn't sure was the Colindar thing was that was that me- mentioned before the movie in the show was that Colindar Colin was that or did they come up with this because it's very much all all throughout the series and movies and shows from here on but I couldn't remember if it was mentioned in the first three seasons do you know uh, I'm really not sure I can't remember what all from like Vulcan culture was specifically like detailed in the in the original series. I know they went into depth explaining what Ponfar was. Right. Um which you know is basically when a Vulcan male goes into heat kind of thing. Maybe. Um but uh no, I don't I don't remember there being an explanation of of what's going on the with urging, which, kind of Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're wondering this is like the ritual that a Vulcan does to purge all of their emotions completely, like, and to be like completely logical. And at the very beginning of the movie, Spock is, is the first scene is there on Vulcan with him about to finish his, you know, get the necklace, you know, basically. And he's distracted because he senses through his humanity, actually his human side, this force that's out there that he needs to go and, and, uh, connect with i guess but it kind of interrupts it and uh and it's good that it does and he gets on the ship and you can just tell he's being completely stoic he's not given anything what what kills me is that bones is surprised bones is constantly surprised at spock being the way spock has always been and that's hilarious to watch yeah but he's always, he's, every time spock uh, like describes something or or says something that is is less than emotional bones is like how can you be so emotionless um i'm a vulcan yeah and then spock's like you've known me for 30 so, years come on man how can you be so human they're bet they're interchanged at the beginning it's hilarious because he's like and i'm constantly you know you're always you know irrelevant you know what you say but but spock coming out of it he goes and he gets to mind meld with viger he sees how completely logic-based without any sort of emotion or hope, even in the slightest bit, and how I think he sees Vidra as a really sad, 
situation when you do not have any sort of emotion. So it's at this moment that Spock almost like he over he he goes above and beyond his vulture Vulcan culture, you know, and then from there you start to see him build his character throughout the rest of the movies. So I think this movie setting that up and getting the crew tight, um, you walk out of it feeling like the crew's tight for once we get everybody back together uh, eventually in uh, Khan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we go from Spock's journey to purge emotions, find inner peace to Decker's willingness to sacrifice himself to merge with Beecher. Right. That's and that so that's the point that Veger Veger's coming home to merge with its maker. Right. And well, I'm sorry, your maker died four hundred years ago. Uh but the fact that a human being is willing to step up is good enough. Yeah. And and De so Decker does this. And um I don't know. Are are there any like interesting would you say religious undertones to to some of this i mean star trek has been riddled with this sort of thing you know what i mean it i think star trek you know flies in the face of religion a lot of times i think there has been some respect that's been you know put out there for the unknown and for god i think you know you see that especially in what final frontier, you know, where, where there's conversations yeah. about that far more. But to me, I don't know. I the idea of the creator, it, it almost condescends the idea of pursuing your creator. You know, I don't know if this was like the purpose. I try to blow past that stuff because I believe in a good loving God and a savior. And and so when I when I have this type of mentality of merging with the creator and stuff like that and some pantheistic way i'm just like meh let's well, you look at this and it's it's like are are we trying to say or is are the writers here is roddenberry trying to say that the hope is mankind will one day be better than god <laughs> because that's what's happening here with viger viger is clearly yeah. more advanced than humanity and right. and has has moved beyond its original uh, design, its original programming, and and so it's come back to find its creator and and become one with it, uh, probably believing that its creator is better than than it. Right. Um. So yeah, a lot of I feel like there's a lot of uh, deeper questions that that could be asked and debated for probably decades but uh but yeah i'm i'm with you this is that's just not uh worth i feel like arguing over no it's, it's silly but i i do think if anything it sets the stage for for the next movies and you know i mean when you have a what a 12 million dollar movie that or how much how many million was it how much was it Gosh, i didn't even see the budget it ballooned out of proportion though yeah, like yeah. I know, I know it wound up costing them a lot more than they intended to spend. I could probably look that up. So I'm interested in knowing Star Trek, the motion picture. Star Trek, the motion picture. Let's see here. Budget on this guy was, oh, sorry, forty-four million. Box office was one hundred and thirty-nine million. Wow. So yeah, forty-four million in nineteen seventy-nine dollars. 
you yeah, think about it, that's that's a lot of money that they're spending on one movie at that time and and it's they you know that's to, crazy. to get a hundred and what'd you say 139 million back at the box yeah. office yeah that is that's barely a return on their investment yeah so check this out concerned. and we'll talk about this in a minute we'll repeat it again but Wrath of Khan, which I consider to be a far superior movie, was only twelve million, and yeah. box office was ninety-seven million. So, yeah. performed way. Well, I mean, budget less, but way overperformed. You know, compared to the cost, and yet less money than the motion picture in the box office. Yeah, but you got to know, like this movie is not one people are like. Mm, you know what I need to do on Saturday. And you go watch me some Star Trek the motion picture. No, they're going to go watch Wrath of Khan. If yeah. you are any decent human being, you want to talk about a philosophical debate, why in the world would you watch motion picture over the Wrath of Khan ever? Typically, when I do a rewatch, I'm doing two, three, four, and six. <laughs> That's about it. Oh, come on. You don't do five? Oh, heck no. <laughs> That's the worst. I'd, I'd rather watch the it's motion so picture than watch Final Frontier. Come on now. <laughs> Final Frontier is so bad. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. William Shatner is okay, but that story just did not. I oh, mean, it's that, a rough story. We'll we'll get there one of these days. I'm sure we'll talk about it here on the podcast. But good gosh! Oh, all right, uh, folks, that is that's about all the time we have for dissecting the motion picture today. Uh, so let us know your thoughts on the big screen Trek adventure and all things V'ger. We love reading your comments, Landon. Uh, you got any final words before we hit full impulse and blast out of here? If you don't feel like watching the motion picture, just listen to the Star Trek theme song and you pretty much covered it. Yeah. Like just in your car. That's you don't really need to watch the movie. Just close your eyes and picture the Enterprise from every possible angle you can think of. You've got it. And then that'll do it for you. But from no, the bow good. to the stern, starboard, <laughs> whatever the other side is. And tomorrow. When you go and look at your car, take a pause. <laughs> really, really appreciate the design of your car. Yeah. Have a little music in the background. Playing the Star Trek theme in your yeah, head. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, let's just try. Mm. <laughs> As, uh, don't forget to smash those like and subscribe buttons. Hit the bell icon to be notified about future You Know Show episodes. Uh, like we mentioned before, next time we are going all Wrath of Khan on this thing. Mm. So, of course, we have tons more geeky conversations on the way covering movies, TV, comics, and more. Uh, so until next time, have a great whatever it is, wherever you are. See ya.